What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Potvin, and whoever is listening, happy Valentine's Day. I know this day is kind of corny and kind of pointless. You should be treating your partner with love all throughout the year, but even if you don't have a partner, if you're single like myself, or if you just want to send love to everybody, take this opportunity to love yourself, love your family, love your friends, love your partner, whoever the hell it is, spread that love around because man, Lord knows we could all use a little bit of extra love right now. And I'm going to take all the extra love that's found in my single heart and send it back out to you. That's right. I'm sending love to all of you who are listening on this beautiful Sunday morning. I wish you nothing but the best day ever. So for this episode of the show, I'm joined by Nadia Ani. Nadia is a therapist that has spent most of her career helping victims of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse find their path. She specializes in understanding relationships and improving her clients to be the person that their partner needs them to be while also freeing themselves from old patterns. Additionally, she is a featured writer on Quora and the host of the Killing Cupid podcast, which is a show that contains thought-provoking discussions about relationships, psychology, and how you connect to the world. Nadia was such a blast to talk to, and this is going to be an audio-only episode. There won't be a YouTube video for it. I think it was on my end, but there was a connection issue with the video. Uh, luckily, we still got the audio because this was a great discussion, and I really want to thank Nadia again for coming on and having this discussion with me. Now, for everyone out there listening, you know what to do. Please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. I'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. to go. Nadia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on today, Harry. I can't wait to get in. So my first question that I always ask all my guests, what got you started in the whole therapy industry? Oh, gosh, what a question. Uh, there were a lot of things that always made me interested in psychology. But I think for me was, I grew up in a really rough neighborhood. Um, I grew up in the nineties where there was like a really, you know, the anti-drug campaigns and the anti-smoking campaigns and stuff like that. But where I grew up, there was a lot of gang mm. violence. There were, there was all of these things that we were taught so ardently in school to avoid. And I was always wondering why is it then that we're being told constantly like these things are obviously bad, but why do we, why is it then that we keep doing it? And I really wanted to understand what was the difference in my community versus other communities? Because I would have friends who lived in more affluent neighborhoods and they didn't have those things. So I really wanted to understand kind of what that X factor was. And as I got older, I started mm -hmm. to realize that, you know, people think differently. The way that we're raised makes us to think differently. And there was something going on beneath the surface that we couldn't see or we couldn't touch. And ultimately, what I came to realize as I got older is that it all really does start in our mind. It all really starts with <clears throat> how we see the world is changed by the way that we think about things. And the way that we think about, think about things is changed and influenced by our environment from the time we're kids and continues to be molded as mm -hmm. we get older. And that was sort of the thing that really, that really set it off for me. And then once I got older and I started getting into it, then it just became more and more interesting to me. And I wanted to know more and more about it. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So when you, what kind of, what kind of therapy, 
lanes, I guess. I don't even know the right term to put, but where does your specialty kind of focus? Primarily work in the realm of relationships. I don't have any one methodology that I stick to because to me, everybody is different. So for some people, you know, you may have one session where you really need a cognitive behavioral approach. Sometimes you may need to just talk things out. So I don't, I try not to limit myself to any one. I try to just see where my client is and just Mm kind of go with them wherever it is that they are, because ultimately, you know yourself and you know what works. Somebody can tell you, oh, you should do this or you should do that. And it probably is something good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going to work for you. But I got interested in working in the realm of relationships because what I noticed working with my clients is that people who had the best relationships seemed to fare the best. And that seemed to be for a lot of reasons. Obviously, having good support systems, having people who love you around you and care about you and not having relationship stress is, of course, that's good for our mental health. But there was also something else going on beneath the surface, too. Why is it that some people will, and I'm sure we've all done this, but we'll reject somebody who's actually really good for us and then stick with somebody who's maybe not so good for us? And after going through bad breakups Mm -hmm. and seeing my friends go through bad breakups and my clients as well, I noticed that after a breakup was there, it was a really, I call it like a special time. That's when we're actually really, really motivated to do better, to explore ourselves because the people that we have in our lives in a lot of ways are a mirror to us. And we don't have access to that mirror when we're isolated. And so by having people in our lives, it allows us to explore ourselves more deeply, and also to get the support that we need in order to do that. So for me, working in the realm of relationships, whether that be improving your romantic relationship or recovering from a breakup or understanding why your relationships in the past were the way that they were, has always been my interest. And that's always been the realm. I think that I, like, that was always it for me. That always made sense to me. And that's where the, that's sort of my lane, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I love I love the work that you do because it's such an important lane um, because everyone goes through it. Well, the majority of us go through it, like some sort of relationship that maybe doesn't go as planned or, you know, is negative in a way. I guess my next question for you is like when you're working with all these clients who are going through these relationship, you know, issues, I guess, in a sense, is there ever like a reoccurring theme in terms of their recovery um, or like what they're dealing with? Well, we all have relationship patterns and you'll see those reoccurring themes. I don't, I don't know if I would say there's, I mean, there's definitely, I guess what you could call like an archetype that we can kind of fall into, but Mm -hmm. we all also have our own patterns. And I think our own individual pattern is a thing that we get stuck into. And so the goal for me working as a therapist and as a mentor, as a coach in any capacity, it's to really sit down and understand what exactly is your personal pattern? Because when we understand what your personal pattern is, then we'll be able to unpack what's driving that. And then once we know what we're looking at, then we can start to move move that away in a healthier direction. Right. Yeah, definitely. My next question for you is when people, when people come in with these, you know, situations or these problems that they're trying to fix, where do you guys start? Like, where do you start with your clients? I usually just want to ask, like, tell me, tell me what happened and what do you think about it? And even just with that, you can learn a lot Mm -hmm. about where they are. So your last question you asked me, what are some of the most common patterns? So somebody comes in and tells me, well, I, like, for example, I used to work with a girl who was, 
She was absolutely beautiful. She had a good career. She was really smart. She was multilingual. She traveled all around the world. Like she really, like she had it all. And she came to me because she had a really bad breakup with a guy who had gotten involved in some drug issues. And she ultimately ended up kind of taking care of him. And so that was, you know, that was the issue that she came to me with. So that's where we started off with. But after time, once we started to get to know each other and started to work through that, that's when the pattern started to emerge where we found that actually this was not the first relationship that she had where she ended up taking care of somebody who couldn't take care of her back. It looked different. And that's really the interesting thing about Mm. working in the realm of relationships and relationship patterns. And I see this a lot of times with my, not I mean just my clients. I mean, I'm certainly not immune to this and I'm sure you've known people who have gone through this will say, you know, I, I dated this person and they sucked and I'm never going to do this again. And they meet somebody else and everything seems like it's great. And then (laughs) damned if they're not doing the same thing that you were trying to avoid in the first place. And that's because there's a really, there's a, (laughs) yeah, it's really mind blowing. And it's like, I've had people say like, somebody like curse me or something like, this is crazy. I have done literally everything I can to not fall into the same pattern. And somehow it found me, but that I think we were talking, we were talking about this a bit before we started that really it comes down to the core belief and what is it that we believe is normal about relationships. So as I was working with this client, just by her telling me, this is what he did. And this is how we met the things that we accept a lot of times are really the things that we believe are okay and are right or are things that we have to do in order to have a relationship and so in terms of where i start with them that's really that's really all that you can do because you never know everybody has their own pattern and everybody has their own sort of structure that we're or our own blueprint that we're going into into a relationship and for me as a you know as a counselor or as a helper i'm my role is to sit with them and really encounter what that is Mm. Yeah, it the whole relationship thing is so interesting because of the fact that you can look back and be like, oh, this makes sense. This this is in line with other relationships that you've gone through. Even if the people you're in a relationship with are completely different, there's still that reoccurring underlying theme. And for me personally, like I've experienced it in the sense of I've had relationships where, you know, it, it didn't work out for multiple reasons, but also my needs just weren't being met in either of them or any of them, I guess. And I guess that was, that was before I was really getting the mental health help that I needed. And I was kind of had this belief in myself that, you know, I wasn't worthy of love or the love I was worthy of wasn't great. Like every, like I was being treated poorly, but it's okay. I deserve it that way. It's interesting how, when you're in that little bubble of belief, you don't see it. No, of course. And that's the thing that will never stop. And I mean, I've been doing this for almost a decade now and it never, it truly never ceases to amaze me because we all fall into it. This is not, I mean, for everybody from, you know, the most accomplished, the people who seem to be the most put together, we all have these belief patterns and that, I mean, that's just the way that we're wired. Because when we're kids, you know, we're not Mm -hmm. given a relationships class. All we're going off of is what we saw. So for my client whose partner had some drug issues in her family, her, you know, it was really rocky. She saw that she had had her, um, her father figure had 
been really hard and really um, very punitive, very volatile. And so that created the idea that, well, it's normal to have volatility in your relationships and it's normal to have this constant up and down. And it's not even that we're seeking it out. It's just, that's what feels comfortable. And one of the things that I see really, um, one of the, what can be one of the most damaging ways that this emerges is that have you ever met somebody and it just felt like you were totally in love and things were just like perfect right off the bat. A lot of times what's happening is I call it like a, our mental map or our blueprint. It's our map of what we think is normal. It tells us this is the beliefs. It's our belief system and encompasses our patterns and the roles that we play to our partner. And so if you're given that blueprint that relationships are meant to be volatile and they're not meant to be comfortable and they're not meant to feel safe. And this is, this is just how it is. Well, if you're a kid, you just accept things like what they are. We accept that Santa Claus is real as adults. We think that's ridiculous. When you're a kid you're given that like, Hey, this is real until there's something that really shows you that it's not, you're going to keep believing it. And on the other side of that, sometimes we will avoid healthy relationships because it doesn't fit in with our map. And I've seen, you may have heard this in the, like, um, this is a common one. Well, all men cheat. Well, not all men cheat, but if you've only ever seen that, if you meet a guy that doesn't mm. cheat, well, then what you may assume his, you know, you may take his interest or his goodwill as, oh, he's up to something. He's just planning and plotting something. And so it sort of becomes a, you stick with the devil you know rather than the devil you don't know. And that can make it really challenging. So I think it's really so, so important to get down there and really figure out what's going on under the surface. Otherwise it's, I mean, it's just our nature to repeat it. It's just, it's just how we're wired. Yeah. Right. And it, well, I, like you've already mentioned, it's, it's so much easier to just stick with that rather than shift your beliefs. Cause we don't even know that that's the underlying belief it's to us. It's just reality. And if you believed, and that was mm. to you, a 100% fact that everybody is going to cheat and you've never seen anything differently. And obviously you don't want to get hurt. Well, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to go put yourself out there to somebody. Right. At least and it can, right. You know what I mean? Sometimes it can almost feel like, well, at least I know what I'm getting into. At least I can remove some of this ambiguity, even at the cost of, even if it means I might get hurt because I'm going to be hurt anyway. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Now, how, how can people who have these beliefs that are kind of set in stone in a sense where, you know, it's been a decades of them convincing themselves and other people around them, convincing them that this is the way relationships should go. How do you start to break that mold? That's a great question for me. The, <clears throat> excuse me, number one is just acknowledging that what you believe or what you're seeing may not always be the case and that there are other things out there. And that alone can be a really big, difficult step because it means we have to be vulnerable. That means we have to start putting ourselves out there, but just by recognizing that, you know what, there is something different out there is the first step. And then after that, whenever I work with somebody, I try to really understand what are the repeating habits because the world is vast and there's infinite number of people and things to explore. But if these same things seem to be concentrated around you, chances are that you've got something that's drawing those things in, or you're accepting that, or there's something about that, about you that's pulling that to you. 
So all of these things, if you're the common mm -hmm. denominator, that's a really good indication that we need to start and look at it. And whenever I look at, whenever I start working with somebody, I always like to ask them, like, tell me what were your previous relationships were like? Well, did they all start off really hot and heavy? Okay, well, why is that? What were you thinking about? What did it feel like? What drew you to that? Did you have a relationship that seemed like where you, the other person wanted to go slow? Well, what caused you to break it off with them? Why didn't it work out? And that's how we're going to start to uncover those different layers of, of you and your map and everything else that's contained in it. Right. No, that's, that's awesome. Do you ever get pushback when you start to unravel this and tell people that, you know, maybe you're the common denominator here? You know, you would think so, but not really, because the, the point is not to say that you're the common denominator. Now, obviously, we are the common denominator in all our relationships, but that's not the, the point. The point is to understand what do we really believe? And we usually, when I work with somebody, you know, we want to know what that is. And even if it means that we have to mm -hmm. face up and say, hey, you know, I did some things the wrong way. Well, that's okay, because you got these ideas from somewhere. You didn't just decide to have a bunch of bad relationships. You were just doing the best that you could with what you had. And the other part of that is self-forgiveness and understanding that, you know what, it's, you know, we all have, to, I always say, you shouldn't take more than 50% of the accountability in a relationship, but you should always take 50%. And when we can take 50% of that, then I think that's also really empowering because then we're not just, you know, without that awareness, being in a relationship can feel like, frankly, like being in a minefield, like not knowing to make us feel like we can't trust ourselves. Like we don't know, is this person going to be good for me? If they are good for me, am I going to reject them? Because I don't know the difference. And that totally happens all the time. It's relationships are confusing. It's a lot of stuff to sort out. And so just by having that awareness, even if that means that we have to be the one that owns it, I think that is so much more freeing than saying, well, you know, it's all of these things that are external to me. And I think that's really the empowerment that we need when we're looking to be vulnerable. We need to know that we're the ones who also have some say and control in this. And we do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been there where, you know, I, I was in a relationship that didn't work out or something. And I go, why is everything out to get me? As opposed to going, well, you know, I have the 50% in here. I can choose to not be in it. Like <laughs> that, that, that was, that, there was one relationship I was in where nothing worked out and we were just not compatible at all. And it was a month in and I just remember thinking, I don't have to be here. Why am I here then? Isn't it such a... <laughs> it's such a silly thought. No, but it's not a silly thought. And I think it's just a testament to how deep, how deep it, it runs and how deep these beliefs that we have are that it can almost like looking back, mm. I mean, and once again, I'm certainly not immune to any of this. Like I could just not do this. Like I can really, I can seek out anything that I want. We're co-creating our own universe and it's really, mm. yeah, it's like I said, it really never ceases to amaze me. It's just, I love this work and that's just another reason why. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think what what amazes me is that 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 
sentence that we just said, like, I have the power to get out of it is such an easy one to say when you're not in it. And yet when you're in it, it's this foreign concept that seems borderline impossible. Yeah, of course. I mean, preventing something is easier than curing it, as they say. And I think that's why, and actually, so I started doing this work mm. when, because I was working with people who had gotten out of bad breakups, because like I said, I noticed there was this really special time after a breakup where we are the most open, are, you know, are, are, I guess, like to kind of, I like to think about things in metaphors sometimes. It's like our heart is open, you know, so that surgical wound is already there. Let's get in there and do the work before we have to cut you open again. And what I saw was, right. and so when people were coming to me to, for help with the breakup, of course, we want to get over the breakup. But more than that, we also want to have the confidence to know that it's not going to happen again. And so by understanding what are my common beliefs, like what roles do I keep playing in this relationship? What's a pattern? Then once we know that, then we can say, okay, well, okay, going back to the, the common belief of all men cheat. So let's say if I, my partner cheated on me, we broke up and it was really hard and I'm in a lot of pain, I'm trying to move on. But then if I realize, wait a sec, I have a belief that all men cheat and then I end up playing the role of being this doting girlfriend because that's just what I'm supposed to do even though I don't really like it. And then I end up with this pattern of always dating men who don't, you know, who don't emotionally respect me, who don't value me, who don't give me that respect. Well, then I need to know what were some of the things that I would do to allow it? What was the first indication that this was, that I was going to let that these things were starting to begin when he didn't call me when he came home really late, did I say, Hey, mm. you know, really bothered me that you didn't call me. I'd really like it if you called me next time and let me know that you were going to be late or did I not say anything about it? Did I rationalize it away? Or did I confront him and tell him what I really wanted? And so looking back at those little moments from the beginning, that's when you can start to see those seeds planting. And when you start that, because when you know how you plant those seeds, when you know kind of where your own vulnerabilities are, then you can stop and say, hey, wait a sec. I, I know what I'm about to do here. Let me, let me have a contingency plan so I can get ahead of it this time. Mm. Yeah. That 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 plan is so important because I I mean I can only speak for myself because I'm obviously not a professional and I'm definitely not a professional in relationships, <laughs> but um and uh, any of my friends can attest to that. But uh like the 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 one that just didn't work. I remember thinking that where it really wasn't working and we were arguing all the time about certain things that I, I won't get into it at all. But I remember sitting there going, "It's fine, I'm good." I will just deal with this as it comes on. And then the other voice in my head going, no, what are you doing? You're not going to go through this again. Stop it. There's, it's, it's like the, the little angel and the devil on each shoulder. It's, it's so, I love this stuff. I don't even know how to put it into words. It's so fascinating how we, the minute you start to put that belief that you have the power, it's starting to crack that concrete that's in your brain of going, you know, I got, I got to repeat this pattern. This is just who I'm destined to be. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you, you recognize that that was something like you recognize that belief and you said, you noticed that pattern and you said, wait a sec, I know where this road goes. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to get off of it before I go down any further. Yeah. 
and that's what it's all about. It's really, and I also love this work because it gives us the opportunity to really get to know ourselves in a way that we just really, I think, don't, don't think about it that way enough. Mm. And I mean, I can tell you on my own journey, I mean, I'm a therapist, I work in relationships, you know, you would think that I am, I would like to think I'm a lot better at this in my personal relationships than I am. But once I started to get really started to get into it, I was like, whoa, and it was, yeah, it was just amazing. But I, I feel like it really, not to say I feel like it did give me, a, give me a much stronger relationship with myself. And I learned a lot more about not just my romantic relationships, but just how I, how I interact with the world. Right. Yeah, because that's the other side of it, right? Is like when you talk about relationships, it's not just romantic. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's the relationship you have with your boss. You know, you if you're always the caretaker in your relationships, you know, does that mean, you know, you may carry that into your work? You may end up, do you end up taking on more than your fair share, but then not asking for more? And the roles and patterns that you have in different relationships may be different. I mean, it's not uncommon to have somebody who's, you know, a real, you know, a real tough guy at work, but then maybe be a little bit of a pushover in their romantic relationships, because we have these different patterns and beliefs and views about different things. The way that we were raised and the examples that we were given about how to operate in a working environment may be totally different than a romantic environment or in a friendship environment. So there's another reason I love this work is it's, you don't have to, you can apply it to so many different things you know if you consistently under earn then that might be that's a good time to say hey wait well what do i really believe about money and what role do i play in my you know in my if you're in a relationship well how, what's my role in managing the finances and why do what do i believe to make that a reality so i think overall it's really mm. it's just really empowering yeah absolutely yeah super empowering and oh, man yeah I, I, I guess my, yeah, my next question for you is, you know, when, when you're doing the work with these clients, like you obviously can help them notice these behaviors from before and kind of get them started on unwinding this mental map that they're experiencing. But for people listening at home who maybe don't go to therapy or don't have a therapist and are wanting to do this work on their own because they have that suspicion, where should they start with all of this? I think the first step is always just to let it out. Whenever I work with a new client or if I'm teaching, I used to teach a class about this. Um, I'm going to begin again soon. First exercise is just do a mental dump. And that can be what you, like, how do you feel about the opposite sex? Or it doesn't have to be the opposite sex. Um, or, you know, the romantic partner of your choice. How do you feel about them? If you're saying, well, I think that I really like being with, I really want a relationship, but I'm scared because I'm afraid that I'm going to get hurt. Well, why do you think, why are you afraid that you're going to get hurt? Well, I'm afraid that they won't reciprocate my affections or I have to do this or I have to do that. Just let it out and first see exactly what that is. Leave it alone for a little bit and then come back to it. And just understanding the way that you think about relationships, just in a completely raw, just letting it all out there, I think is really illuminating. And I think that will, so usually I like to start off with that because that will give you a good sense of where you are and what you're working with. What's, and if you're not sure where to begin, that can also, depending on what comes up, if you notice themes in the beginning, you may or may, you're, you might, or you might not. If you do, that can be a really good indication of where you need to hone in on. 
But if not, then you can also just move into what are my patterns? Do I date people who I end up always taking care of? Do I end up dating people all the time who don't listen to me? Do I end up dating people that I end up cheating on? And just really, just really be honest with yourself about where you are and where you're at. And I always give my clients a list of common relationship beliefs. And um, you can find that anywhere, but I'll just give you a couple to a couple as examples. So like almond cheat is one of them. Um, you know, all of the good partners are already taken or a good girlfriend is always there for her boyfriend. A good, you know, a good boyfriend always has, has, always has to take care of his woman. He always has to pay for everything. You stand by your partner no matter what. And there's no right or wrong answer to this. Just really ask yourself, do I believe this or not? And see what comes up. And then looking back at that mental dump that you just did, see if you see where those connections are, see where you see what it is that continues to happen. Because if it keeps happening, chances are this is something, well, not chances are, those are the things definitively that you are carrying inside of you that you are continuing to act out. And those are the things that you really want to target. The other part of your, the other leg, I guess you could say of your mental map is also your roles. Do you find yourself always, are you the sympathetic ear? Are you Mr. and Mrs. Dependable? Who do you, con who, what role do you consistently play in other people's lives? And once you get that out there, and that's why it's so important to just let it all out from the beginning, once you do that, you can start to see where these pieces connect. And that'll start to give you a really good indication of what you're working with and what's going on underneath the surface. Hmm. See, I like metaphors too. So it, 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 for me, when you're talking about this, I'm visualizing like someone holding a puzzle mm -hmm. box with stuff in their head and they just dump it. And then they're like, okay, let's try to figure out where each piece goes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I love that. No, I, I I love that term mental dump. I've never <laughs> heard of that before. That's awesome. Now with the, with the pandemic and the after effects and everything, I, I mentioned a little off camera about um, people that I've talked to uh, are experiencing this is they're so desperate for connection or they they're so desperate to never have connection again that they end up in these super unhealthy relationships a because they're, they're settling they just want some form of connection and they're so desperate or b they just don't view their own self-worth now in your own personal work are you noticing an increase in clients or an increase in certain kind of unhealthy relationships during this time? That's a tough question. I would say it goes both ways. I think that there is more, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're already in a really unhealthy relationship, it's a lot more difficult. It can, well, depending on where you are, it can be more difficult to meet people. And in some cases that can be motivation to stick in an unhealthy relationship and try to make it work. But on the other hand, I've also noticed that people are spending a lot more time by themselves and being in this pandemic has really taught a lot of us what is valuable. You know, people are quitting their jobs in record numbers. We're saying, hey, actually, and going back to the idea of beliefs being, it's all of our beliefs about everything and how we relate with the world by saying, hey, you know what, actually, this job is not giving me what I want. This is not, this is actually not my value those that the word I want to use is enlightenment. And I will go with that word. 
kind of becoming enlightened to what our true values are mm -hmm. will also inherently carry over into our relationships. So I do find that people are looking for relationships that are more real. And we've also had the time and the space to examine what it is that we really truly want. And a lot of times when we get into an unhealthy relationship, it's because we're not asking ourselves what I want. One of the biggest things that I see, um, I used to do dating coaching and I would help people rewrite their dating profiles and things like that. And obviously if you're writing a dating profile, you're, the point is that the person will be attracted to you. But then we end up going so far into the other direction where we're like, well, I want this person to like me that we don't ask if we like them. And so, so in so many ways, I think in our society, we regard dating as I need this other person to like me without asking, do I like them? Am I getting what I need out of this relationship? And I think during the pandemic, we've had more time and space to do that. Um, so overall, I do think that it's, I do overall, I do think that we're headed in a much better direction. I think that there's a lot more, I don't know if substance is the right word, but I think that we're, I think that we're approaching our relationships from a more heart-centered place rather than um, maybe not quite, not such a, a heady kind of place. Right. Yeah. Because you have that time to sit. That's actually, that is a great angle that I've never thought about. Yeah. You, you have more time to really process it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I know people who are quote unquote serial daters who kind of just hop in one relationship right after the other and don't take that time in between to really check their head and try to figure out what's going on. But I guess now with the lockdown, you just you yeah. have to, there's, there's that you, you don't have a choice and <laughs> you're given that time. Yeah, exactly. And when there's so much risk to going out and actually meeting somebody, you have to really ask yourself like, is it actually worth it for me to go spend my time with this person? Because in the before times, like we, we all do it. Like, yeah, I'll go have a drink with this person and maybe, you know, we'll see where it goes. And if it doesn't, then it's fine. But now the stakes are a little bit higher. But I, I do think that in some ways the stakes have always been this high because when we let somebody into ourselves and we give somebody that part of ourselves, you know, we, that affects us, whether or not we're aware of it or maybe we're not thinking about it. But going back to the idea of beliefs, if we continue having these experiences where it's, you know, everybody that we, I mean, I I'm from New York City. This is very true in the New York dating scene. If, you know, it's very, it's very fast, right? Everybody just wants to date and date and date and hook up. And it's really difficult sometimes to get that substance. But then if that's all you're seeing and you end up participating in that, even if that's not what you want, you might start to believe that, well, everybody is just like this. And then if you believe that everybody is like this, then you're not going to have any real motivation mm. for going after what you actually want. And that's how you settle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're blowing my mind right now. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm learning. I'm learning way more than some of the listeners probably. I'm, I'm sitting here like, whoa. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm learning things about myself. But yeah, no. Um, yeah, that's, that's all amazing. Um, I, I guess the, the biggest question I have for you, Nadia, and I, I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this is on the topic of serial dating, because I've also personally been one, um, where I go from relationship right away into another one. I don't, you know, deal with what went wrong in the first one. I just kind of hope that the second one will negate everything that happened in the first one. 
Um, but for those people who, you know, are going through a breakup, especially now when it's so hard to meet new people, um, what, where do you think they should first No, How do you think they should approach this recovery process, um, after a breakup or after an unhealthy relationship? That's a great question. So when you go, the way I kind of visualize, like using going back to using visual metaphors, way I kind of visualize the way that a breakup works. You know, when you're together, you're two people, you're separate, you're individuals. Then as you get closer, you kind of come together until you become like one unit. And so when you break up, it does really at an emotional and energetic level feel like you've lost half of yourself. And what, so when you're coming through a breakup, it's not always, I mean, of course, you need, it's about getting over the person. Of course, it's about healing from the pain. But a lot of what you're also doing is getting that part of yourself back. Like, who am I without this person? Who am I as an individual? And if so much of yourself has been tied to another person, then sometimes that can create a pattern of serial dating where it's like you don't feel whole because you haven't taken the time to to get to bring back that part of yourself and going back to what we were just saying if you don't know really where you stand or where you want you're not connected to that then it's really easy to just kind of get lost in the wind and then not really have your bearings and like not really know where you're ending up and that can make dating really you know sometimes it can be fun but it doesn't really lend itself to having a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's okay sometimes, but, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, there's anything wrong with dating after you break up, like, that's totally fine. But to really make sure that you can guard your energy and really make sure that you are taking the steps to connect yourself and build up yourself, asking yourself, really, what do you want? And actually, in some ways, dating after a breakup can be a good experience to look at other people and say, hey, actually, you know, my ex used to always do this, and I didn't really like it, but this person does it differently. And that can be a great way to challenge a belief that you have that needs to get that needs to get knocked out. So I don't think there's anything wrong with dating after a breakup necessarily. It really depends on how it is that you're approaching it. If you're approaching it to meet new people, to have different experiences, then I think that's okay. But you never want to date somebody to fill a void because for one, that's how you can get, because then it becomes based on a need and you're not having that sharing and connection, then your relationship is already starting off into a negative place. And then if it turns out that you, and then you can also end up dating somebody that you really, this is not a person that you would want to be in the relationship with, but you haven't really given yourself the time to actually get to know them. Cause it's like, I mean, it's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry. Like, I don't really need this stuff, but I'm really hungry. So I'm just going to take it. You never want to do that to your heart. You never want to do that to yourself in the mm -hmm. dating world. So to answer your question, I think it's okay to date after. I think it's totally fine to date casually, but really make sure that you are protecting your energy and doing it conscientiously and always examining your beliefs and really being aware of the roles that you play and the patterns that you're bringing into it. Because you also may end up dating somebody and find yourself, may date somebody casually and find yourself starting to fall back into the same role that you did before. And that can, you know, if you're doing it with the right intention, that can be a really good and illuminating thing. But if not, then you can just falling back into the same trap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, 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 how can you identify the difference between 
just casually dating and still taking that time for yourself and filling the void because I feel like sometimes it's a subconscious decision right because it is a subconscious decision doing it consciously is the key here are you dating this person to say hey I think this person is interesting let me get to know them let me see who they are and really taking that step of what it is that you want out of the relationship I cannot tell you and once again I'm totally not immune to this at all I can't tell you how many times I've talked with girlfriends who will say, you know, I went out with this guy and he did this and I didn't really like it. And then he wants to go out again. And I can see they're super uncomfortable. And I'm like, I don't think you like this guy. Like you don't have to go out with him. And they're like, yeah, actually, <laughs> yeah, we all do it. Right. And it's, we yep. all, we all do it. So now if we're dating consciously and we're doing it with intention, we can, well, really staying in touch with ourselves, we'll say, Hey, actually, I don't feel comfortable with this. And you may even take it a step further and say, Hey, actually, when I started dating my toxic ex, I kind of felt the same way. So I don't have to be in this, I'm going to take a step back. And also, how does the other how does the other person make you feel? Are you when you're in a situation that you're not doing it consciously, you don't feel in control? It all just kind of feels like a whirlwind. And this is the time after breakup that you really need to be in control. You need to be the one calling the shots, especially if you don't know the other person you're still healing, you, you really do not ever want to give that power away. It's not the time to be vulnerable. It's, they're not, it's not the time to give that vulnerability to somebody else until you can make that conscious decision. And if it doesn't feel like a conscious decision, if it doesn't feel like you're standing on solid ground, one of the things that I do, if I'm not sure if I like somebody or if I'm just kind of like getting caught up in it, I just check in and see, how do I feel? Like, do I feel solid? Do I feel together? Or do I feel ungrounded? Do I feel like I'm kind of floating? And really just checking back in with your body can be a really good indication of what's going on. Mm. Yeah. That floating thing is the second you said that I lit up because I've, I've felt that where you're dating or you're like out with someone and you feel like, Oh, I'm just floating around. It doesn't really like, it's not, it's not benefiting me, but it's also like not hurting me. So I guess it'll work. And then it's like, why you, why do you think like that? Just if it's not like, just you're not benefiting yourself or the other person, if you're just going to float there. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> I mean, we, we enjoy things the most when we say, yes, <laughs> I want this. I'm here for it. I'm taking that step forward on the ground and I'm going after it. That's what feels really good. That feels empowering. It feels strong. That's the foundation that you want. Mm. Mm. Yes. The empowerment. That's what you want, baby. <laughs> Woo. Um, now, <laughs> when you're when you're a friend looking from the uh, outside in, um, because it sometimes when you're in that bubble, I've seen friends who are completely in denial with how they truly feel or how the relationship is going just because they desperately want it to work out. If you're a friend or a family member looking from the outside in, how should they approach situations like this? Oh man, that's a really tough one. That's really, really tough because either you can't, you know, telling somebody this is not going to work is not going to do anything. If anything, it's probably just going to make them more defensive and you know you want to it's i think it's really important to recognize where it is that they're coming from that if you're 
in denial about something and you're with somebody who's either hurting you or not giving you what you want, it's coming from a place of lack. It's coming from a place of like, I am not getting what I need. And so if it's a need, we're going to go after that no matter what. And so all the logic in the world is not going to get you there. What is it that they really need? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't even realize that, that we're not getting what we need. So I would say just stay open, just be there with them. Ask them, how do they feel about things? Ask them, what do they, do they really enjoy this relationship? What do they really want out of the relationship? And just holding that space and by you offering that emotional connection, I can't say that this is going to be the thing that gets them out of it, but sometimes it will be enough to kind of get the gears going and say, Hey, wait a sec, actually, is this really working for me? Because a lot of times when we end up in a bad relationship, it's because we weren't asking ourselves the same questions. We were just kind of floating with it. So right. by being that voice, by holding that space to help them get a little bit more grounded is sometimes, well, a lot of times that's really the only thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. Now, of yeah, course, absolutely. Now, of course, if this is an abuse situation, um, then of course you have to handle that differently. But in most cases, if you just see them with somebody that they're not really happy with, just opening up the, just opening it up, talking to them and kind of being that sounding board for those questions that we should be asking ourselves is, uh, can really go a long way and don't feel like you have to do it all because we all have our own journeys. And I will say as a therapist, that's one of the hardest things is I can look at a client and I can know that this is, I, I know what's going on, or I think I know what's going on. I have a pretty good sense, but it doesn't matter until it really comes from the heart. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Now, um, I, my final question for you, Nadia, all of this has been incredible and you've opened my eyes um, <laughs> more than I'd like to admit. But uh, <laughs> so for anyone who's listening, who maybe, you know, they're in a relationship and they, they just now realized, oh, shoot, I am floating, but I don't know how to get out of it or I don't want to end the relationship for a multitude of reasons. Like, what, what would you want to tell them in order to, you know, direct them in the right path? Well, first of all, it's okay if you don't want to end the relationship right now. There are a lot of reasons to stay in a relationship. And sometimes that's just the way that the cookie is crumbling. So if you can't, or if you're not just not ready, that is totally okay. Just be where you are. Just let things be what they are. Don't put pressure on yourself to make it one thing or another. But if you're realizing that you're not happy in a relationship, this is a really good time to see. And... <laughs> take this as you will, but when you're in a situation where like so we, we end up in bad relationships, we end up relationships that we're not happy a lot of times because we've let things slide for too long or we've not been we've just kind of floated through it. So really take inventory of like, wait, what am I letting in? What am I not? What are things that I would like to be different? And how have I handled that, that in the past? Because I've also seen a lot of times we're in a relationship that we're not happy in and it's because we're not asking for what we want. So really taking stock of how are we interacting in the relationship? What is it that we really want? And how can we ask for that? Because we can, we can't, we can only do 50%, but we should always own that 50%. And it comes from knowing what do I, if I've done, if there's something that's been going on for a long time, I'm not happy with, 
well, what is that exactly? What do I wish would have happened? How did it, when I did, like, if you capitulated to somebody, well, how did it feel when I did that? Or if I just kind of let something slide, well, what was I afraid of when I did that? What did I believe was going to happen? And really just getting to know yourself on a much deeper level, what continues to happen in this relationship? Is there something that, you know, is there like a definite pattern? What starts this pattern? And how do I interact in that? And you may even find out that once you start, once you start asking these questions, you're better able to communicate your to communicate with your partner and do so consciously. And then the relationship actually takes a turn for the better. And that's really what it's all about. Because also for your partner, if you care about this person, you want to show up for, for them conscientiously because you really want to be there. So I know that anytime we kind of change things around or anytime that we, sometimes these things aren't always well received, but our, when we do that, we can show up for our partner. We can be genuine with them. We can really be there with them. And that's what we really want, even if it's not easy to go about it in the beginning. And this is the work. This is, you know, you know the saying, everywhere you go, there you are. So no matter where you are in the relationship, mm. always, you know, be open with yourself and ask these questions, see where it takes you. And you may actually get something even better than what you thought would happen. Mm. Absolutely. Man, Mike dropped by Nadia. Where can all my listeners find you if they want to learn more about you or, you know, follow your stuff? Sure. So you can find um, all about me. You can find my podcast. You can book a session with me on killingcupid.com. And I am going to actually start doing a course on my mental on mental map soon. So I haven't um, I haven't set a date for that yet. But if you're interested, you want to get more information, you can go to my website or you can email me directly, Nadia at KellenCupid.com. I'm the only one that reads my email. So anything you want to share is just between us. Amazing. And I'll put those links down below. Nadia, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast for me too. Awesome. And to all my listeners, I will see you guys next time. Thank you.